it's a great pleasure to have um, sort of Kevin Kevin with us. We've had some feedback from various people on previous AMAs about one of the, 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 the key things that they really want to learn more about is this whole sort of lead generation and sales qualified leads. And we thought it would be absolutely brilliant if we could invite Kevin Kelly to join us on the call. So Kevin, I wonder if you could just start off by introducing yourself to us and uh, and and and, and uh, perhaps uh, sharing with us why you know how does your previous background and expertise how does that make that so relevant for this particular topic so kevin over to you yeah it's great it's great to be here phil thank you uh for the invitation um i think it's it's a, it's a hugely interesting subject to me and has been for a rather a long time now i have to say um i've been in the inside sales industry for nearly 20 years um and it's it's actually quite fascinating when you when you take in consideration over the last maybe that period of time where you've seen a lot of transition from field sales to inside sales and you also see uh, a covid that situation as well happening and the uh, the experience and the input of those inside sales professionals has been immense uh, over a, over a, a very short <laughs> period as well um, my background is in that space uh, i moved over from ireland to 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 move into into that area for a for a company called Binny Bowes, which was a fantastic opportunity for me. Um, and as we, as I go forward, I guess in my career, it became very interesting. Uh, and I've always wanted to uh, set up my own business. And mm. uh, I felt that the hardest part of this process in inside sales was the prospecting element of it. Uh, mm. So we we set up a business in 2019 after I became a consultant for a period of time, and really tried to build a company, uh, I guess, a professional services, a modern professional services company that really took sales prospecting to another level. And that that was our aim and that was our game plan. Uh, and that still is our game plan. So this is a, a, an incredibly important topic because I think we've lost sight a little bit of the word prospecting or what it means anymore, uh, to be honest with you. And lead generation is completely aligned to that process as well. So yeah. um, again, really, really good conversation. It's uh yeah, such an important I always think that you know that first sort of ability to be able to take a prospect to nurture them into a sales lead is one of the most difficult aspects of a sales sales job. And I, I suppose we should start by defining what 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 do we mean by sales prospecting and sort of how do you define that word in the context of what you do? It, it's it's quite interesting because I, I think, it, it, you know, and, and the audience, uh, the people listening would probably agree with me on this. Initially, that word prospecting meant a new logo, net new business. That's the, th the, the thought process when we yeah. look at sales prospecting. But I actually think it, it needs to be redefined and we need to start thinking about how we bring in words like cultivation into the process. Because I think, you know, in a, in a modern era where, we're certainly seeing, I guess, the most educated buyers that has ever been. We're in a situation where we've got to think differently about prospecting. Mm -hmm. And and I think in particular, Bill, I think the big challenge we have, uh, yes, net new will always be a prospecting process of thought. But I think this account management area and arena will is quite important to this process as well. And mm. I think what we've failed to probably recognize is that that word prospecting is very relevant in account management as well. When you're looking to upsell, cross-sell, all these different types of 
I guess, opportunities you're looking to create are different people you're, you're talking to in that process as well. It's not the mm-hmm. same person you always talked about in, in, in account management. Yeah. So I think it's a, a hugely important subject, but I think we, we really need to redefine that word prospecting without question. So what I'm just gathered, what you've shared with us now is that you see prospecting as, as really exploring any, any new opportunity, whether that's with a net new name or whether yep. that's a new opportunity to, um, you know, develop relationships, contacts within existing accounts as well. And the sensing from you, from what you've said, that you think there's an awful lot of money that's left on the table, so to speak. Because we don't do a great job in even approaching prospecting from an existing sort of client-based point of view. It's, is that correct? Yeah, I think, look, we, we expect a lot from our marketing teams, right? We expect yeah. a lot of leads. You know, I, I always say when we were, we were in consulting with companies, what would happen if your leads stopped all of a sudden? You know, what would actually happen? And Quite a few people were, were, were pretty shocked by the answer. They, they had to give back at that stage, which was pretty much, we stop, is very simple. Um, I, I, I think we've got to take on that responsibility and think about that a little bit carefully. And as sales professionals or in the sales industry in particular, I think we have a, a responsibility to, to help the marketing teams in this, in this process. Because, look, there is so much, I guess, uh, automation, there's so much intent, content marketing, there's so much there that we're trying to drive through opportunity. But I think the, the sales professionals have to take responsibility as well. And their outlook has to be, what can we do to help support this process? And, I, and what I mean by that basically is that outbound approach. What can we do? How can we introduce ourselves? How can we set up opportunities where we don't completely rely on a lead that's going to come through from the marketing team? And I, and I think we're starting to think that way now. Um, I, yeah. I think it's a big challenge, Phil. It's a really big challenge. I can see we've got a question from Philippe uh, Masson, um, which is, is there still space, in your view, for cold calling? It's a really interesting subject. I, I, I knew that was going to be going to, my question was going to come out. Thanks, Philippe, for that one very early days. Um, I, I, I think there is. I think the, the reality of the scenario is there's 5.4 billion mobile phones out there right now globally, right? And for us to think that nobody's going to pick up a, a telephone call is, is, is literally lunacy. Um, I know there's a, a huge uh, a narrative here from the social media guys and, and anybody that, that does things differently in this space. Um, I believe that there's a there's cadences that you can develop that include cold calling as well. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's only cold calling, but it's certainly you want to be very remiss if you didn't take it into consideration. You know, I, I know we certainly do. So, um, in terms of the experience that you've been getting as a consequence of setting up your own business, so you must have observed and experimented and and tried lots of things out, I guess, in, yeah. in your desire to, to help companies become more effective. What, what for you have been some of the best practices that you've seen where marketing and sales have worked perhaps really brilliantly together? Yeah. Or there may be other things as well that you've seen that you could share with us. I think, do you know what's relative in terms of what you've spoke about there? I think if, if I take a, a trip back to 
I guess, uh, business reviews or older business reviews that we used to always do. And I, and I certainly see consistently now, um, we, there's always a tendency to focus on the outcome. There's always a tendency to yeah. focus on the pipeline delivery of something. I mean, these things are very, very important, but we analyze what we can close one. I'll use the term that the, the CRM guys use. And this is a very important thing because I think we've got to change the narrative here as well. Because there's very few times when I go into uh, meetings and, and where, and, and I go back in the past as well, where we actually talk about how do we build that pipeline? It's mm. always a last minute, we've got to close this deal, or this deal is not big enough, or how do we move it from this stage to this stage? And very rarely is there opportunity to discuss uh, where and how you build. And this is, gonna, this is very important again, as, as we, we think about our industry, because building pipeline is absolutely imperative when it comes to closing deals. It doesn't work without the other. So for me, I think, you know, if, if I talk about marketing and the elite companies we work with right now, do you know they're really focused on this? How do we find clients? How do we touch them? How do we make them aware? How do we make them consider? And then how do we bring them on that journey? And a lot of companies continue to focus on, well, we need to close a deal. We need to close that big deal. It has to be closed, right? Whereas I think a step back uh, and, and people need to understand the, the process that people go through to build that pipeline mm -hmm. is immensely important and is forgotten about sometimes. And I would suggest in some cases that people don't even do it. People don't do it. They're, 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 you know, because it becomes so difficult now and because... The, the wisdom of the crowds, as I call it. Everybody will tell you socially how to do this. And what tends to happen is that you, most people end up doing nothing, right? They're so busy reading content and reading different things of how to do it, they end up not doing anything. And this, is, this procrastination is hugely uh, relevant, I guess, in that sales industry right now. So I think we've got to really take a step back. And best practice includes prospecting at elite level. It includes going outbound with many cadences, many touches, but yeah. we can't ignore this. And this is what actually, uh, again, at my company, uh, we have an outsourced professional services company. This is what we focus on. This is what we live and breathe with every single day. Okay. I can see we're getting quite a few um, comments. Yeah. I see from, from Alan, who's yeah. at, based in South Africa. So uh, welcome, Alan. It says, in my view, I think the avoidance of proactive sales calling, cold calling, is a primary challenge and the lack of partnership between sales and marketing that Kevin alluded to. So people are drowning in social selling outreaches. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, Phil, just in answer to the question, I think with marketing, I think where we've lost it a little bit, a little insight here, is that we've we've gone to, I, I see this and I, I we get, these on an ongoing basis, I'm sure everybody else does on this, this webinar, where we see the level of quality of emails that, you know, these automated email, and I'm yeah. going to say rubbish in some cases, really rubbish, no relevance, no context, no personalization, no authority, right? Nothing, yeah. just rubbish. And this has been sent through to us on an ongoing basis. Now, yeah. and let me just take this one step further. I think everybody would recognize with nearly 1 billion LinkedIn users globally, nearly, I think there's 930 million users that were starting to see this rubbish come through there as well. So there's a connection request, 
And all of a sudden, somebody's trying to sell in the very next second that they get a connection request. And these messages are longer than the emails that we get sometimes, you know? And I think people need to really think about how they're articulating stuff, how they're engaging with their prospects. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to the MD of, I think it was Sony uh, on one occasion, we're talking about about sales and marketing and uh, just coming back to this whole nurturing kind of activity that you've alluded to as being an important part, but often forgotten part, I think, of prospecting. And he said, the problem with marketing is, you know, you have quite a big budget for marketing, but you never know which bit of the budget actually produces the lead because you don't quite know you know, what what thing happened that drove a great lead to come into the system. Yeah. The great thing about sales is the fact that you do know exactly who has, you know, developed which lead and closed yeah. it. So so he was commenting on the fact that 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 marketing is sometimes it's difficult to actually equate mm-hmm. quality sales leads to a marketing initiative. Yeah. But I think we all know that we've got to do it. I mean, uh, that's what I agree. Yeah, I'd agree. I I think we've got to stop, got to remove ourselves from the blame game of us and marketing. I I think they're very much aligned. You know, some of the, again, some of the companies we're working with, such great marketing teams, you know, that they're they're trying their best in this space as well. For me, I just feel the inside sales folks that the sales engine have to do more. We've got to do more proactively. We've got to look to go outbound. And I, let me give you an example. In some yeah. cases, when you go outbound and have an outbound engagement, what you're going to get, whether it's a call, whether it's a, a message, you're going to get some advanced insights. So you're going to get something back. That may be positive. It may be negative. But in your debriefing, there's some quality there as well. Now, that quality gives you that huge learning opportunity to actually strategic position the marketing going forward. So your outbound engagement is going to help your strategic positioning with the marketing team going forward. So it's a must that we hear from our prospects. I think we're at the stage where we need to treat prospects. It's a little bit dangerous, this one, but we need to treat prospects like we treat our clients with a bit of respect, right? Mm -hmm. We need to treat them with a little bit of care. We need to stop thinking we can make an appointment and that's all it is about an appointment. You know, we need to build trust over a series of telephone calls, over a series of engagements. It's not one call wonder or one message wonder. They don't work. What tends to happen, people don't turn up or they turn up and they have no idea what they're turning up for. So for me, there needs to be care. And some of the great leaders, were well, working with a, a senior vice president of sales right now, completely gets it, completely understands what he needs to do. So much so that he's intrigued as to what we say, how we articulate ourselves. What's the word transitions? Mm-hmm. This is the, the level of input we've got to be able to deliver. And it's no point the sales folks saying, well, it's not really us, it's marketing. Marketing need to drive our leads forward. Yeah. That's not the case. It's our responsibility. It's our group. This is what we do. This is what we do best. But I would suggest that my question would be for anybody on the call or anybody listening to this afterwards, you know, if you were to go on a call, for instance, and explain what you are, who you do, what you do, your product, service, solution. Would you be able to do that seriously to somebody you don't know? And that's, for me, fundamental to as we build forward, mm-hmm. what does the actually process look like? 
So these are huge yeah. challenges we have in our industry right now, and they can be fixed. So I, I know when I first started in sales, Kevin, and it may have been the same with you, and you can tell from my gray hair that I've been in sales for quite a number of years, but yeah. I was sort of throwing the telephone book, and yeah. uh, we had a target to, of doing sort of 100 outbound sales yeah. phone calls. We used to yeah. call it spins yeah. in order to get, you know, to, to reach our prospecting targets, Yeah, um, which is all, you know, it was it's awful yeah. that we knew statistically yeah. that we it. would get a few. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what we did. Um, what What do you think of, of that approach? I'm, I, th I yeah. sense from you that it's much more quality and much more research, much more, you know, slightly more considered. But there's got to be a balance, hasn't there, between yeah. how much research and preparation you do and how many outgoing calls yeah. you might make. I remember asking a very senior person in the US, uh, how much time do you put into research? And I asked them that question, hoping that they'd give me a, a two or three minute answer or whatever, you know, they'd give me a time limit on it. And they said, as long as it takes. I said, right. That was quite intriguing what they said. But, yeah. but I, I think, and how I see this is there's an element of prospecting net new uh, into accounts. Yeah. There's a certain level of research. You know, you've got to show the prospect, you know them in some way. Yeah. So you've got to make an effort in this space. Yeah. Um, and what I would suggest as well, when we when we engage and go outbound, I think the the the, the problem people probably uh, don't align themselves to is they don't get to the purpose of the call very quickly. Uh, you know, if yeah. you have a very clear understanding of what you want to say, you get to the purpose of the call very quickly. You can gauge that level of interest or that not level of interest. Um, the telephone call is important. Uh, it's an important discipline. Um, I think it, it brings through those learnings, not yeah. so good ones as well. And this is fundamentally what I think we're forgetting about the telephone call. And yeah. just to Philippe's question, I think it was a really good question and a very pointed one at the start. Um, the interesting thing is we've never been in an environment ever before where we've had sales acceleration tools that direct us to mobile phones. Right. Not landlines, not gatekeepers, yeah. directly to mobile phones. The sales acceleration tools are there to be able to do that. We've never had that 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. So again, the improvements and, yeah. and, and, and again, I think people need to really think and build their prospecting world into a space where this is actually real. We can we can make a huge impact here, you know. Let's take some uh, some comments we've got coming through. So Gary, um, Gary, um, again based in Ireland. <laughs> so welcome, yeah. Gary. Uh, Gary works with a company called SKF. They they make ball bearings. Uh, though yeah. that doesn't matter. In my team, there's more of a switch towards self-generated leads, leveraging existing relationships. New logos are tough and almost carry yeah. a longer sales cycle. Is there a percentage split benchmark to aim for in terms of self-generated leads versus marketing-generated leads? Oh, it's, it's a difficult question because, you know, I, I have to be honest. I, in my opinion, apart from awesome, this is what we drive. This is what our business does as an outsource company. Uh, I yeah. think there's very limited amount of outbound sales. I, I think our sales folks are waiting for inquiries. And I'm being harsh here. I'm being harsh for a reason. But I, I think there's very little proactive 
because they're too busy trying to figure out, well, do we go social? Do we go telephone? Do we go message? Do we go email? And there's this clutter. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're trying to follow the crowd here. But ideally speaking, we've got to make a decision and we've got to stick to a process and a, and, and a cadence, uh, which is very important, uh, and, and drive that cadence. So I would really be thinking it's probably about 5 or 10%, 90%. 95% marketing, five or 10 outbound prospecting sales related. Um, because I, I think we really struggle uh, in this space. We mm. need to do more. Okay. That's really great. Um, I'm just looking at some of the other yeah. comments coming in. So let's, yeah. let's have a look at those. So, Alan, we need to create value in the prospecting process. Yeah. To have established trust by the time we connect. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you, uh, what would you say is the best mix or cadence between social and telesales? Again, uh, Philippe as well has come in with that, hasn't he? Um, I think the, um, I, I think, I th- listen, social media, very, very important. I think we've seen over the last four or five or six years, LinkedIn being hugely relevant right now. Again, as I say, just nearly a, a, a billion users globally, uh, three, 35 million in the UK. 202 million in the US. So really interesting social dynamic going on there with LinkedIn in particular. Um, I really think the the telephone uh, social is, is do, we're doing more with social and it's becoming that 20, 30, potentially 40%. Uh, but in, in our world, the telephone uh, is hugely important as well because it creates engagement. What we really want is to talk to people. We want to have a conversation. It's not about we want to sell you something. It's about we want to share insights with you. And that's the secret here. It's not about we're here to sell you something because people are not interested in being sold to. They're interested yeah. in if you share insights with them because everybody's interested in insights. And that's what I believe. And I think that's how we drive that uh, uh, engine uh, as yeah. we go forward. That's... Um... That's really, really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. I can see Eddie has also prompted me with a direct message. Yeah. So Caroline has a great question about the SDR role. Um, I just need to check that I've got here. Oh, yeah, here we go. I'd be interested to hear Phil and Kevin's view on the SDR model and how it has or whether it should change the impact of social selling, whether there's a hybrid middle ground. I've met Kevin previously, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hearing his views on it. Hybrid is is always something we're interested in. I think it's always an interesting concept. Um, for me, it's about why, how do you get the result? How do you deliver a result? How do you engage with people? How do you speak to people? Because ultimately, this doesn't work unless you do this. The SDR role and BDR role is quite interesting, right? The SDR has always been the inbound people, the guys who take the inbound calls, the BDR has been the outbound, right? And I'm a massive fan. Our team are a team of BDRs. So we go outbound uh, and we we find people and we bring them to the table, you know, and that's the most important role in this. I think the SDRs, and I can completely understand this, are completely reliant on the marketing leads and marketing kind of uh, led driven webinar content, you know, intent marketing. The BDRs is the key challenge 
for me, this is the secret of being successful. If I, if I was to change anything in the morning and go back into that inside sales environment, I'd strongly recommend people think about how they drive a BDR channel, business development channel, uh, an outbound team, uh, and give them the tools to be able to do the job. And, and ultimately, that's, that's what I believe is the next step here. But I, I'm, I'm, I will be really clear on this. That's the hardest job in sales right now. A BDR role is the hardest job in sales, and it can be demoralizing, and it can be really difficult, uh, but it's so necessary. As long as it's done and delivered in the right way, you've got to look after your team. You've got yeah. to listen to your team, and that's important here. But, but ultimately, it's such an important, valuable part of the process, and it's probably the one where budgets are sacrificed more than anywhere else, Phil. You know, well, to be honest, yeah, the role. yeah, I think it's the one because you don't see the immediate results. Okay. And building pipeline is not about immediacy. It's about, are you building pipeline? It's not about, have you closed that deal yet? Because some of these deals could be a million pound, two million pound deal. So yeah. ultimately it's the cadences and the thought process you go through. And again, as I say, we're working with some sales leaders who particularly get this right now. Yes, the marketing team supports that process, but the sales leaders that we work with in particular, they've really switched on to what they need to, to achieve here. And they know it's not easy, you know, so, but they push for it and they set budgets for it and, they, and, and they're going to make a, a, a really good push for this. It's been really helpful to get your sort of definition of the SDR and BDR. Kind of roles. There's another question here, which um, is from Michael of Cloudfix, and he he asks a question. It would be great to see the stats on how lead source has evolved over the past few years. Uh, I personally believe that not enough is devoted to the good old telephone, which I guess is what you've been arguing. Yeah. Um, I, look, I, there isn't there isn't a great where you go on to any kind of social media. Kind of thing you want to learn, you want to understand about somebody, you know, or about a company or whatever, and then all of a sudden you see all this stuff about well, nobody cold calls anymore, nobody answers the phone anymore, you know, and and again, it's it's you have to look at the agenda of of, of people who are saying this or companies who are saying this because they're driving certain agendas here. Um, I, I I'm actually a fan of social media. I'm I'm a huge fan of social media. I think it's so relevant right now. And, but I also think the telephone is something that you've got to use as well, because at all stages, whether you drive the lead through social media, at some stage in that, I guess, journey, you're going to have to call them. You're going to have to engage with them. And I would classify a video call, Zoom, Teams, or anything like that as all. It's yeah. just a video call. That's yeah. the difference, you know? So ideally, you're going to have to engage in some other way. And, and that's why the voice, phone, trust, all those things can be delivered on, on the telephone as well. Just coming back to the first part of the question, which is yeah. about the stats on lead generation, because I, I, I remember seeing an article in the Journal of Sales Transformation about yeah. the efficacy uh, right from the beginning of sort of lead generation activities to deal closing. Um, through SRM type systems has been yep. declining, meaning that you need to produce more and more sort of market related leads, I, I guess, at the front end in order to get that one deal that, that that's closed. Yep. And it, it kind of the implications of that is that SER, uh, CRM, sorry, yep. 
as a sort of sales management process tool is not really being that efficient. You know, we seem to be losing efficiency. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's it's unfair to say that because there's so much noise out there now that it's very difficult to uh, get people's attention. I know that when I'm cold called, my you know, it's very difficult to get through to me. I'm normally, you know, yeah. there's been some sort of warming up process. I completely hate getting a call out the blue from someone that I've just had no contact with. I think, um, again, everybody everybody would probably look at this differently. Um, we, we know there's people who just won't take a call. We, we absolutely know that. We also know uh, there's people who won't take an email for the reasons why I've yeah. said, you know, right. and, and equally so won't engage or connect on LinkedIn because they know they're going to be pitched to within a second of them connecting yeah. with somebody. Yeah. So so I think I, 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 what you've got to do, I think, is just rationalize everything, Bill, and really think, OK, and that's why I, I guess people use sequences and they use different methodologies to try and go outbound, to engage with people. Some people are different, you know, and, and some people just want to be treated differently. Me personally, I'll take a cold call all day long. And, and the reason why I take it, A, I want to listen to what they're going to say to me, because can I learn something from these, the skill of these guys? And the other part is, is that is there something that actually going to say, I'm thinking, actually, you know, I haven't thought about that. That may be something we're going to, we're going to look at, you know? So, you know, there's, there's various different processes. You know, I, I think the point you made as well about CRM is quite interesting. Um, CRMs have a lot of challenges. I love the the concept, right? When they came out, it was going to save everybody uh, a huge amount of time and it was going to drive pipeline through the roof, you know? In reality, because nobody could adopt to it quick enough for the reasons, various different reasons, it actually slowed down the process, you know? And it slowed uh, salespeople down. And we, we've got to take this in consideration as well. And what you will notice in most sales CRMs, they do vary. Uh, they're very focused on opportunity, mm. six, seven, eight, nine, ten opportunity stages, right? Okay. Have a look back and see how many lead stages there are. There's not certainly seven and eight or nine in any of them, that's for sure. So so it's it's something that is is not even relevant, I think, to the CRMs right now. You know, they they do recognize the debate and I completely understand the opportunity conversation really relevant we want deals we want to close deals i totally get that however you know there's got to be a real clear structure around lead management and lead process and we can't all get it right or wrong we can go either way but there's got to be a real clear thought process in there as well because then we just focus on the big deals and don't worry about anything else basically so i've just seen a long question coming <laughs> well <laughs> Okay. This is long, but trust me, there's a question in here. So, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, even in my lifetime, I've noticed a shift from long form content into shorter form yeah. content. Take the TikTok ride. There's yeah. no doubt that in this modern era, people want information and gratification yeah. at quicker rates than ever before. How do you feel this has had an impact on the approach to outbound activity? Right, so it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of TikTok. I will tell you that straight away. I, I, I love TikTok. I love the content. I love the concept, the idea. Um, I, I'm lucky enough uh, in our organization uh, that we hire uh, most of my people that work for us uh, are all under 25 or 26, 27. They're, they're quite a young team. Uh, we bring them up, hopefully, through the ranks to, to educate and help support them. 
I believe that's who I need to listen to. It's it's not about me and you, Phil. I yeah. I, I think sometimes it's it's not necessarily the 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 the, the messaging in that space is a hundred percent on point. Who I yeah. listen to is the younger generation. I believe they will drive my business forward, and we need to listen to them a lot about content, about how they are, how they engage with people. You know, um, I always had this debate and I, I'll say this many times I always had this debate sometimes when people say well okay you've got graduates with very little work experience sometimes and and we're trying to you know ensure that they get up to a certain level of coaching and education and I'm a huge fan of that a curiosity that they bring to the equation young yeah. people and if you have that you have a great chance you know especially that curiosity um and, and, and I think sometimes when people say to me, well, well, graduates don't talk to people. They want to WhatsApp people. They want to TikTok people. They want to do many things. And, and I say the same thing all the time. They just don't want to talk to their parents. That's the problem here, right? They'll talk to everybody else. They just don't want to talk to their parents. And I think behind it all, they'll, they're, 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 they're conning us a little bit because they're far cleverer, far smarter, far more agile than we think. You know, you should hear some of the calls that these guys make and the skills that they have to articulate themselves over mm. 20 and 30 seconds to really mm. share insights within that period and get to the purpose of the call is an art in itself, you know? So I, I think there is a shift uh, uh, with the content. I totally agree with that. But I also think that our, our younger generation will help support the drive here but but again, all the things we've talked about are very important as well. So, thank you, um, Peter. Perhaps more time spent in pre-approach research. Ah, yes. Yeah, I yes. think I think Love that's this. perhaps we've covered a little bit um, earlier on. Can, can I also ask about technology? Because you've mentioned about technology yep. a bit. What what for you have been some of the brilliant technology advancements that have enabled you to you know, become more effective at what, what you and your, your business does, Kevin? So, I, I, you know, what a great question. And I love uh, Peter's question here as well, because I'll, I'll align technology to the research, right? So yeah. that pre-approach research is super, super important. And, and the timing of it is important as well, because we can't research all day, okay? In reality, we've got to engage with the, our clients, or in particular, our prospect at some stage. But what I love about uh, uh, um, the, the research and the preparation and my favorite tool ever in history has been ChatGPT. Uh, it's just the most incredible research uh, process. I have never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything as quick as that. I've never seen anyone that can literally just push a button and get a result that quickly on research. You know, mm -hmm. And in particular, we use it AI-powered AI sales preparation is part of our process. We built a, a permission to operate, which is our, our model that we use. And part of that is AI powered sales preparation. And again, ChatGPT helps us. Now, yeah. technology is important, but it needs to be checked, Bill. So you can't yeah. just take something out of ChatGPT and go bang, send it. Yeah. You've got to look at it. You've got to, again, I go back to those four things I talked about. Personalization, context, yeah, authority is again. These are very important things to actually drive through that that uh, that process. So yeah. you've got to really be careful with with AI uh, tools as well. Yes. Yeah. 
So, so that, but we're also hearing a lot about sort of voice uh, sentiment uh, analysis and so on. I presume that you, all of your sales calls are, are kind of recorded yeah. and you must be sitting on quite an interesting yeah. sort of analytics database of what seems to work or what doesn't. Are, are there any trends that you'd like to share with us about what you've observed? We, we design scripts over about 29 seconds. We time them. We feel that the, you, you, you've got to get that, that particular message across very quickly. Um, yeah. In the first seven seconds, I was looking at some uh, intelligence done by Connect and Sell, I think it was. They talked about the first seven uh, seconds being all about tone. People uh, will, will listen to the tone and make judgments on the tone very, very quickly. Don't care what you're saying. It's about your tone. Seven seconds. So we have 29 seconds to get to your pitch. And we believe you have probably three questions after that. And that's your first call max. There are some people who can get a lot longer. But when we look at all of our analytics and we look at our data, as we go outbound to a stranger you haven't spoken to previously before, who don't know you're going to make a call, we believe they're key metrics. So tone, 100%, first seven seconds, 29 seconds of a script. Within that, you get to the purpose of the call very quickly. And ultimately, again, just, just an added one to this is when we use the word, are you interested in, in understanding more or learning more? We always get a better reception for that one as opposed to, hey, why don't we put an appointment in the diary? Hmm. So some of these are quite real that we listen to and we, we uh, analyze, but then we retrain our people to think about how they how they articulate themselves very, very quickly. So hope that Brilliant. makes sense. It does. Let's come back to some of the chat uh, points that we've got here. So, yeah. Peter, thank you very much for your comment. Then Alan has, has come back again. I think short form forces us to get to the point. Yes, the, yeah. the famous Mark Twain quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, there was one thing, Phil. Sorry, do you mind me? And I just want just want to circle back to the the, the the type of people we hire, and I think this is quite relevant yeah, yeah, it is. in in um in this in the as words. And I loved all the questions, really relevant questions. Um, yeah. and and it's really interesting that the dynamic of the type of person you're looking for. Um, you know, I I always I, I'm not a massive uh, Albert Einstein kind of fan in quotes and things like that. But he always talked about, and there was one thing about the important thing is that to not stop questioning. And what he said was never lose a holy curiosity, which I think was quite interesting. He put the word holy before curiosity. And I think for me, that just about sums up how important it is to be curious and be comfortable with a level of ambiguity in this space. And if I was to go to what I believe probably is the most successful business person, salesperson of all time, Jeff Bezos, apart from Elon Musk, I guess, Jeff Bezos signed off as CEO to become chairman of Amazon. And he talked about, he, he gave a speech to all these people and he talked about Amazon being born out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, if Jeff Bezos can say this, this is good enough for me. And this is the type of thing where I, I step back and say, do we have a curious person here? Because if we have a curious person, yes, they need persistence and resilience. I get that element as well. But if they're curious, we have an outstanding chance. And I think the young people of today that we hire, and in particular that we incredibly curious, and that is the number one competency in 
business development, BDR, why a street yeah. mile? That's I hope so. that makes sense. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you would put that as the number one. So yep. the, the number one, so that when you're recruiting people yep. to join your teams, it will be yep. to what extent are they demonstrating just being curious? Yeah. Yeah. What about, I, I, what, what about, you know, those other, because they must get a lot of rejection from what they're doing, you know. Uh, this is hard work. This is, again, work, I, yeah, this is not easy. And, and, and in reality, you know, I, I think you've got to focus on a couple of things, right? And, and here it's, you know, we, I suppose more than anything is about taking a step at a time. And, and for us, this is never about, hey, we have to make 50 calls or 20 calls a day. It's never about that. It's about, hey, can you make one call? Can you have one conversation? And you've got to focus on, again, the important part is one step at a time here because it's, it's a span of control and your span of control. And we try and get our guys to focus on that and really think about how they can make an impact by having one conversation. Yeah. One conversation. It's not about the 20 or 30 that you don't have is about how good is that one conversation and are you ready to bring that forward? And I think that's what we focus on because that's the, that's what, how you got to celebrate success yeah. in this space, Phil. Okay. I've just seen a couple of questions. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Um, not curious. Yeah. Uh, in advance of a call. Great. I love that. Yeah, Chris Foster there, Phil. Anything we've done in terms of prospect touch in advance of a call that has increased success. Love, love, love that question. Okay. Um, you know, and, and I think sometimes the, I, I'm a massive fan of A-B testing. You've got to A-B test, you know, and, and sometimes you've got to trial things. What's quite interesting and what we're starting to learn, just to give one probably tip out, is that sometimes by viewing somebody on LinkedIn, not connecting, not engaging, but by viewing them, I see that as a touch mm. because every single day I look at my LinkedIn to see who's looked at me today. So yeah. people are naturally curious as well. And by one touch uh, on LinkedIn, say it could be anything else. It could be other things. For me, that's a touch. That's a, Hey, we're looking, we're not going to engage yet, but we're looking. That's a, a, a single in touch and that's helped us uh, become successful. And then we go outbound a couple of days later to actually just request a connection. So all of these sequences are very important and they need to be thought out. I love the question because prospect yeah. touch is important. Yeah. Also, I've seen a question back from uh, Alan slightly earlier. Could you open up a bit more about the 29 seconds? Yep. Uh, do you think that uh, that could work, Kevin, to open up the conversation when approaching the end of the 29 seconds or create frustration and distraction. I, th I think I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of a series of calls. Yeah. Um, I don't believe it's one call. I've one, one. I'm, always, I'm always cautious. I'm always nervous. Yeah. I don't believe it. I don't believe it can be done in one call sometimes. And I yeah. think we've got to be brave to have a second and third call. So you're creating an appointment with yourselves essentially. Okay. Um, these type of things, the 29 seconds is we know that if we don't get our point across in particular, the purpose of the call, we have yeah. a five step process, but the purpose of the call is probably the third. And yeah. if we get that across very quickly, the, the, the person who's on the other 
end, we'll have a complete, clear understanding of why we're making that call. 29 seconds, we believe, is what we have. People may say, why not 30 seconds? I actually yeah. think 29 is more interesting a number to talk about. So it's, just in case, you know, and, and we, we've said that. I remember doing it once. I go back a number of years. We talked about saying it to somebody about, hey, I, I promise you I'll only be 29 seconds here. And literally what happened was the, the person on the other side of the phone laughed at me and says, right, I'm going to time you. And, and it created that little bit of uh, engagement between both of us that worked out very well. You're looking for an edge. You're looking for a, uh, some way to engage in some way in a very short period of time for them to trust you. I know that might sound, you, you, can't, you can't be trusted in 29 seconds. I believe you can. I believe you absolutely can. You know, and there's certain things like objection handling is, again, something that's very important to gain trust, you know, yeah. because it's important that you handle objections in a very professional way and very efficiently. And again, that gains trust for your possible next callback. So all of these things are very, very important. Just a lot of, at lot of questions, Bill. I mean, we used to have a young lady that worked with us um, in, in a BDR type role. And, and she used to work on this five contact, uh, five contact on, say, LinkedIn before yep. getting uh, an appointment. And yep. and. Actually, it wasn't necessarily about uh, the business reason for calling. Sometimes it could be sort of more, more personal, you know, a shared hobby, or you know, there yep. could be various reasons for engaging. Do, do you have a point of view about that? About whether, you know, are you building a personal relationship partly with your yep. uh, strategy here in BDR type roles, or is it strictly business? What what? Or a bit of both. I mean, how how do you view it? I, I view it as a bit of both. Um, I, I, we're there to be professional, and we're there to help support them. And, yeah. And you have to remember with a, with a, with the first line here, with a, with a, the top of the spear, we're going outbound into yeah. an area where we we nobody's engaged potentially before, and that's why it's important in account management as well to think about it in that way. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's always personal. Uh, it's always about engaging in the right way, the right manner. You know, yeah. uh, if you're talking to somebody, for instance, and you're looking at their profile and you yeah. find out they're from New Zealand, my immediate yeah. conversation and messaging will be will to commiserate on on them losing the World Cup final uh, on on Saturday, based on the fact that they're from New Zealand. Yeah. And I think that builds rapport, Phil. I think rapport has always been complete necessity <laughs> in sales, right? And a cheeky rapport, but but rapport, right? And I think you can do it socially. I can, you can do it on a telephone call. You can do it on a, a Zoom call or a Teams call. You can, you, you know, the, the art of selling is always going to be about building rapport. Yeah. You know, and, and funnily enough, if you look back at, uh, again, many of the great books that have been written, they talk about, you know, it's important to be liked. Uh, Robert Caldini. Yeah. You know, and he talks about the importance of being liked on yeah, on a, yeah. on a uh, as a salesperson, and that makes an impact on yes. whether you can influence or persuade. You know, really interesting stuff. Um, you know, basic stuff, I think, as well. I had to guess that if we started talking about rugby, we would get some comments <laughs> from Alan, who is from South Africa and probably enjoying very happy, yeah, yeah enjoying the one point win. I can't believe that we've had such an amazing. 
yeah. group of rugby games where it's been so marginal down to down to point differences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, like, feel for Ireland, of course. Um, Desperate. Terrible, well. terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's what sport, the great yeah. thing about sport, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's perhaps one just final point, um, which uh, I just want to come back to maybe Luke's uh, yep. kind of had a question about curiosity, about how yep. you measure curiosity. And if a salesperson misses their quota, do you lord yep. curiosity and, and consider that success in itself? Um, so, really good question, right? Yeah. And, how do you and, measure curiosity? And if you misquote it, so if you've got a salesperson that misses quota, yep. but is applying all of the great curiosity skills, I think what Luke is saying, uh, you know, do you laud their curiosity, not just not just results? Yes, you do. Yes, you yeah. absolutely do. And 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 in reality, that's the tough part of it, what we do, right? Sometimes yeah. you're going to have conversations that are not going to be great. You're going to miss. You, yeah. you did, we live in a world where we miss. It's not. We're not always going to hit the, the number. We're not always going to hit that. And you see the numbers. People yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we miss more than we hit. That's yeah. the reason why when we hit and we're successful, you've got to remember those things that got you there. And that's yeah. the important part. But for me, curiosity. And by the way, I did put persistence and resilience on this as well so yeah. you've got to judge a number of competencies together yeah, but if yeah. someone can engage and say this is the work i've done this is what we've created this is how close we are this yeah. is the detail behind all that that is a great conversation now i know some people say well it's not good enough because they didn't hit the number i, I really don't care i i yeah. i you know you've got to back your people if they do the, make the commitment if they deliver what you say you know, and you ask them to deliver, you can only encourage them and tell them what a great job they're doing. Keep it up. Yeah. You're going to get there. Great. Well, I, I think we probably got to the, the end of our allotted time, um, Kevin. It's been amazing. Thank you, um, everyone who's participated. Yeah, some on great this questions. Call. Some really amazing questions. I can see. Is there one you, oh, lots of new messages. Let's have a look. <laughs> I see Eddie is is um, putting some information up here um, for those that are interested to see previous AMAs and also the Sales Transformation podcast episodes. Thank you, Eddie. Um, but I guess also we'll be putting details of Kevin and his business in the show notes as well so that anyone on the call who wants to talk to Kevin directly, uh, feel free to do so. But um it's wonderful, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. Um, and one last thing. Yes, for those of you who can, our global sales transformation event at the London Stock Exchange runs on the 6th of December. Uh, we've got loads of people already registered on coming, but please, um, if you're interested to join us, click on that Eventbrite link. And uh, we'd love to see you on the 6th at the London Stock Exchange. They're always great fun. And on that note, I'll say goodbye. And once again, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, yeah. Phil, and the team as well, the consultant yeah. team. Thank you. It's wonderful having you with us, Kevin. I'm sure you'll be back again. I'll see you on the 6th, Phil, actually. I'm the there sixth. on the 6th. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will be there. You'll so, be there. Yeah. Uh, thank okay. you very much, guys. You're thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.